Well, this week, <clears throat> we don't have a series. We finished up hearing last week, and then we don't start the next series till next week, so we just have this standalone message that I simply want to talk to us about. And I, we, Yes, it was kind of my, my brain got rolling because of it being Super Bowl Sunday, and, uh, but it it's almost could be hearing part five. Because we've talked about the last four weeks, we've talked about moving forward from here and being understanding of that God is here with us and that we have to understand where we're at and that God wants to move us to and, and shift us forward. And then there's some places that we can easily get stuck and we can get over those. But today I want to talk about our foundation. I want to talk about where we're coming from because most of us, at some point in our life, on some front, we're dealing with some struggles. And we want to achieve the victory. And what I want us to understand is that in Christ, we actually already have it. We just have to stay in Him and, and work with Him with the Holy Spirit and allow that victory to come all the way out to be shown. So today, there were the title of this, which you will understand this in a minute, but the title of this one is called Hyper Nike. And we'll explain it in just a minute. Well, let's go ahead and get into your notes. God is with us for every step of life. He's with us all the way. And even in the struggles. We talked about that old uh, that old poem about footprints in the sand and it looked like, you know, the guy at the end of it thinks, "Hey, I only see one set of footprints. Why'd you ditch me, God?" And he's like, "No, I didn't ditch you. I was carrying you. Those footprints you see are mine." I'm carrying you through this. That we have this awareness that God is with us every, through every step of life, even in the struggles, even in the places where we feel like we couldn't do it on our own. And we need to understand that because this it sets us up for the fact that we'll grasp that in Christ, we are, you and I, those of us who are in Christ. It don't, may not look like it on the outside all the time. But where we exist in Christ is that we are more than conquerors. And that's actually one Greek word. And we'll get into it in a minute. That we have to use that whole phrase to get our minds wrapped around that one Greek word. But let's go ahead and look at Romans 8, verses 37 through 39. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced... As we begin to know God better and trust Him more, there is this inward convincing that takes place. Paul had been walking with God a while. He had come in. He had had his incredible Damascus Road experience. He goes and he's learning. He asks questions of the other apostles. The Holy Spirit's revealing things to him. And as he goes in life, Paul had his own questions. Okay? It wasn't like he had his demand, and it all made sense to him. He just knew who Jesus was, and he was going to roll with Jesus, and the rest was going to be made clear as he went. Guess what? That's what you and I do. The Holy Spirit resonates that we need a Savior, and Jesus is him, and we say yes to him, and I still have some questions, and that's okay because the Holy Spirit works us through them as we go. And here Paul is at a place, says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, that's a big one. That's a big one. Sometimes life can be so heavy 
that we're like, I'm done. One of the things we've been, we've been praying over, over and over and over again every Thursday is this spirit of suicide. We've just been addressing it head on. There's places where depression is coming in and grabbing a hold of people. And, and, and guess what? Every work of the enemy, wants to, he wants to take us to one place, and that's death. Everything. You ask any physician out there, what's the end result if your immune system doesn't do its job of every cold? It will kill you. The littlest things we kick off that our immune system can fight, you don't have an immune system, its assignment is to kill you. And we just take a couple of aspirin and we go on and we don't realize there that our body is fighting off an assassin. We don't take it seriously because our body rallies. And then bigger things come along. We're like, oh, we got to really step. But everything that the enemy does is to take us out, is to kill us. That's what his assignment is. And sometimes the heaviness of life can be so much that it weigh on us. And then sometimes the heaviness of death can be so heavy on us that it can weigh on us. Folks, as believers, death is not a horrible thing. It's not. Paul says later in some of his later writings, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the more we get our minds wrapped around how wonderful the presence of God in heaven is, it's not that we somehow become distasteful to this world and we're just done with it, but it's that heaven is so much better that the best this world can offer doesn't compare and that we will the heaven is wonderful. He's convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors because nothing life can throw at us can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. That is the place. Being in the place of being a recipient of his love, that is the place of victory. That's what the enemy fights over all the time. He wants to tell you you're not good enough. He wants to tell you you've got to do more so you can be a, a better this or that. Or, or you've already blown it too bad. Then try to get you to forget that God so loved you that he gave his son. Trying to get you to forget the core place of victory. Is that we have a relationship with God based on love. Not on law. Not on rule keeping. Based on love. That is our victory. That is our victory. And we are more than conquerors. And so all this other hubbub can go along. And all this other craziness can go along. When we understand that, we don't lose it. I'm glad that the Francis's are here today. Because they're giving me one of my favorite stories. About one of their camping experiences with their children. And uh, they have a... Uh, Doing making the s'mores, which obviously you got to have the the graham and the chocolate and the nice toasted marshmallow or mallow, as they like to refer to it. And you have to make it. Well, they have their three kids: James, who's in the uh, is a is an officer in the Air Force right now. He's a by the book. He's a, he's an Air Force guy. We've got John, who is a children's minister at a wonderful church here in town, and then Jenna who is their youngest daughter, who's sitting up there right now, a lovely <coughs> expecting mom. And they're all kids at this time, and they're making their s'mores. 
And so at some point, I forget how it all goes, something happens, a flaming mallow flies. It lands in some, if I remember right, a chair that it burns through and hits the ground. It sets the grass on fire. Everybody's going nuts. It's just one big National Lampoon's va- like camping vacation, uh, Francis style. And so, and everything's just going bad. And so James, who's the guy in the Air Force, he's going to take care of business and goes to get a hose that don't quite reach. And he goes to do things. And Jenna is being a little girl and screaming. And everything's going crazy. And then they look over at John. And John has his stick with his marshmallow. <laughs> and he's just toasting that marshmallow. And everybody's going crazy. And he knows this is all going to be good. And this is going to be one good s'more. And he ain't, he didn't step off because he he understood he didn't get wrapped up in the drama and the hubbub of life. When we understand how much God loves us, understand that. When we understand how much God loves us, I cut my teeth on the message of faith and living a life of faith, but it didn't begin to really impact my life until what I understood that what I'm having faith in is that God loved me. What I understand that God loves me, that I understand that I, my faith is in God's love for me, that I understand that when, I, when sickness attacks my body, I can go because, with faith because he loves me, that if there's a financial need in the Clark household, I can go because he loves me. I can do any of those things. All the promises of God are yes and amen because he loves me. My faith is in his love for me. That's why we were told that they're going to know, the world's going to know we're his disciples. Why? Because that love gets contagious and we love each other so much. It says people are going to see your love for each other and they're going to know you belong to me because he is defined by love. We become more than conquerors when we get grafted and rooted and stand in his love. Today we're going to get to watch the Super Bowl that's supposed to be a pretty good one, not supposed to be a blowout. Got the, my, me and Keenan are on opposite sides of this Super Bowl. Keenan is going for the Devil Hawks, I mean the Seahawks. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm going uh, for the uh, anointed Denver Broncos. And uh, anyways, and so you got to love it when the old man makes us look good, you know. He's not far from 40, so I got to go for the old guy. And so I uh, got to go for Manning. And, uh, and so in Keenan, he doesn't even know the name of a Seahawk player. I asked him, I said, name me a Seahawk player, son. He couldn't tell me one. Like, that is sad. He likes the Seahawks because he likes a church in Seattle, which isn't a bad reason to like a team. He likes that he likes a church. That's, that's not bad. I can't argue with him too much on that. But we've got two champions. And you know what? When you look on their stuff, they are already champions. They will list it forever in their stats. We have the AFC champion versus the NFC champion. These aren't two teams who are trying to become champions. They're champions. That's why they're in the Super Bowl. What they're trying to become is more than a champion. They're trying to take their victory to the next level. And both teams in that, they are going to be standing in their Nikes. Both teams. Brand new technology. They had to print it with a 3D printer. They printed the cleats with a 3D printer for this game. 
because it's brand new technology that they're going to be using. It's supposed to be able to be faster than they've ever been. It's probably marginally. We won't be able to notice it. But they've got, this, they've got these fancy cleats. They've got all this stuff, and they're Nikes. Most of us know Nike is rooted in the Greek word, Nike, for victory. This word that is more than conquerors is the, is the word. In fact, I put it in there. They'll throw it up. It should be on your screen. Hey, there it is. Hooper Nikeo, which is hyper Nike or beyond victory. The Greeks had a word for it. We don't. We have to get a phrase, more than conquerors. But that is what it meant, is that it's a surpassing victory. It's a victory that is so clear-cut and so big, you don't doubt it on the other side. Well, maybe we just barely did it. We just barely cut through. No. God's love for us, that he demonstrated it in Christ in such a surpassing way that we should never, ever doubt it. We should never, ever doubt it. He could not have demonstrated his love any stronger than he did in Christ. And those players are going to go out there standing in their little symbols of victory. And you and I should get up every morning standing in the victory we have in Christ. We should get up wondering what God's got going on for us today. We should get up looking for the Holy Spirit to lead us into something wonderful and beautiful. Not get up in the morning and say, oh, I hope I don't blow it. I hope I don't cuss at my kids. Oh, I hope I'm able to do this. Oh, I, I hope I don't lust. Oh, I hope I don't do this stuff. Oh, I, you know, I hope I just keep my head above water. No, no, no. As we pursue him, that stuff begins to fall out. As we're pursuing the things that God's doing, that's why he says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So many times when we get caught up in the lust of the flesh, we're not busy enough just paying attention to the Holy Spirit. He'll keep us so busy, the rest of it doesn't have time. 1 Corinthians 15, <clears throat> 57 says, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 4 through 5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And what are we having faith in again? Are we having faith in ourselves that we can be a little better today? No, we have faith that the Holy Spirit is right. And when we follow him, our actions are going to be a little different than they were in the past. Why? Because he loves us. We're having faith in his love. We're faith in his love. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So he was demonstrating the, his love to the world. That's where our victory is. See, being more than conquerors means that we are not defined by the battle, but by our leader. We don't go around calling ourselves the forgiven and carrying all of this around saying, oh, there was all of this bad, terrible stuff, but now we're forgiven. People can put that title on us because we're forgiven. But what do we call, what do we go around? What's our banner? What's our name? We're Christians. We're Christ followers. We're, we're defined by who we follow. We're defined by him. And we get this beautiful picture of it in Daniel. Let's look at Daniel. If you're familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these are the guys that get thrown into a fiery furnace. They refuse to bow their knee 
to a, to a, a god, and the king says, that, yeah, I'm going to chunk you in, I'm going to burn you up. And so they get, they don't bow their knee, like our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow our knee. And so they get the, the fiery furnace, they get it hotter than it's ever been, and the guys that chunk them in get consumed by the heat. And these guys get, three of them get thrown in there, and then this is, we pick up with a story as, as people are, are peering into this big fire cave thing that's happening. He says, and he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Remember, they threw three guys in there. But then there's this fourth guy that shows up in the middle of this fiery furnace. And they're like, man, he looks different than these three. He looks like he's the son of the gods. There are these different places throughout the Old Testament, and it's hard to build a a doctrine on this, but most theologians agree that there are these uh, uh, Christophanies that take place, these little moments where Christ himself shows up. Remember, Christ is eternal. He didn't just come into existence just at the little manger there. He was sent. So there was a spiritual presence of Christ prior to that. And so here... He is there in the fiery furnace. He's with them in the middle of their trial. Did the fire go away? No, the fire doesn't go away. It's there. It's just not messing them up. So Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out come out here. Now, he didn't call that fourth guy. <laughs> you three, you can come out. That other guy can stay in there. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, and governors who had all conspired against them, and the royal advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not (coughs) scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. So many times God carries us through stuff and then the enemy tries to make us still have a stink of it. Still have this little tainted smell that, yeah, we've got through this, but there's this little thing that goes around and, and, and we look a little different on the outside and people come up and then they, they try to still stick that with us. See, the thing is, when God making us more than a conqueror, the, your past is the past. You don't have to be defined by that junk anymore the enemy will want to keep you with that and try to tell you you smell like that and lie to you and do that but you really are free we really have new identities in christ we are more than conquerors it so takes us into this clear-cut victory that even our past struggles can't even even taint us anymore god has given us has equipped us for us to have victory in life in all of these things He's equipped us to do that. And when we begin to really saturate ourselves in the love of God, then our alignment with that becomes automatic. It becomes that we're like, okay, I get you, God. That's right. Initially, it's awkward. We're used to being defined by our failures. We're used to those things following us around. And when the love of God comes in, and he'll remind you that that's not you anymore. And anything else comes in, and I'm telling you, that's the voice of the enemy, and you need to, you need to hush it up. 
But I, I, we saw years ago this beautiful expression about what happens when a group of people get exposed to something over and over again and embrace it and honor it. You and I, we come together, we're exposed to the Word of God, the love of God, and we need to honor it more and more because then when we get, begin to get the, its presence, begin, we begin to align ourselves and act right. And Weston was playing football, and uh, he was playing for the Saints. It's a good, good group for a pastor boy to be hitting people on. And so, uh, um, so he's playing for the Saints, and we're over by uh, Lincoln, over there close to the Coliseum. And that weekend, they have this. They were having this thing called the Roping Fiesta at the Spur Arena, which is probably four or five hundred yards away from where these three things are playing. And so our games are already going on. There's all these parents on the sidelines, three different games on three different fields going. And then over at the Roping Fiesta, all of a sudden through the sound system, we hear the national anthem begins to play. Now that's another event. Hundreds of yards away. There's games happening. And slowly you just begin to see, watch all three of those fields as people just took their hats off, games stopped, everybody just quit. That wasn't our event. Where everybody was saluting a flag we couldn't even see. And we're just, everybody's just responding. We all listen to the national anthem. It's over and we play football again. But it was amazing. Nobody said anything. Nobody rebuked anybody. Nobody poked anybody. and said, yeah, that's the national anthem. It just began to take place. It was just as we began to be exposed to it. We want our lives with God that way that we can get in the middle of the hubbub of life. And the Holy Spirit began to remind us that we're loved by Him. And it just, things just come back. And we adjust. And we make the adjustments we need in life. It is a beautiful thing. When that begins to happen, then we, we naturally begin to operate like God is for us. When there's a need, then we begin to operate like provision is coming. When we, when we have extra resources in our lives, we begin to act like stewardship's a big deal. When, when there's a struggle, we begin to act like and operate like victory is on its way. Not like this one might take us down. We begin to operate that the promises of God are yes and amen. Second Timothy three, sixteen through seventeen says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we saturate ourselves in the Word of God. That's why we challenge y'all every year. Read through the Bible. Read through the New Testament. Read through some of it. Put the Word of God in you every day. That's so why we have people blogging and writing, and we post those on our website and Facebook to remind us. 1 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and His goodness. He's bringing us in by His goodness. See, our hyper-victories in life come through Him who loved us it is in christ that we have the victory i want to roll a video here um we've got uh, a a football player that's going to be watching the super bowl like the rest of us <laughs> he is and uh, some of y'all will appreciate this and some of you won't 
but he has some good stuff to say. We all know where our blessings come from. And for me, that's from God. And, and no matter how many fans come out or, or 100,000 people are cheering, I know that my strength and my ability is from him. I never really thought my struggles were something that it was just on me. I always felt like uh, I had a, a hard heart towards God and just, just resisted it in every way you could. And um, all the failures and all the tough times growing up and, and a single parent home and, and just a, a rough childhood, all those things led me to resist God. And, and finally, when I opened my heart to Him and I, I met my wife, that was really when I knew that God had a plan for me and that He, uh, he was what I needed. Really, God just he didn't resist me. He, he took me in his arms and just showed me what life is all about and, and really what I'm here to, on earth to do, and that's to live for him. Every decision I make, I try to make it for God and, and, and use the right judgment to, to do so. Obviously, I, I make mistakes. I still fail every day, but I know through him and his grace that I can have everlasting life. And, I, um, I walk with him every day. I talk to him. It's, it's like he's my friend. Well, my personal relationship with Jesus is, is personal. That's exactly what it is. I mean, uh, God's blessed me in so many ways in my family. and I've just learned so much with him. And having life without him and, and really resisting him in my life. And now to a point in my life where he's so involved in it. Everything I do is that relationship with him. That's what my life's about. And, I really want to spread the word of Jesus and, and know the impact that he has. So without Jesus, I'm nobody. Definitely humbled by him and, and my relationship with him. I'm Jason Witten, and I am second. <laughs> I love what he said. Yeah, you can clap for him. That's awesome. I love what he said about <clears throat> that his personal relationship with Jesus is just that. It's personal. And that he wants his life to be a reflection of that. Here's a guy who goes out and works hard. He has a great work ethic. I didn't anybody in the NFL that can say that, that Jason Witten isn't one of the top guys in his position in the league. But his ultimate goal in life is that God would be glorified, that he operate out of that relationship. That you go out there and you see his tenacity and you see his work ethic and it's out of his relationship with God that that is brought about. Our, our relationship with God can and should affect every area of our lives. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks... Be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. He leads us in victory. Why? So that the knowledge of Him can go forward. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me. And gave himself for me. I don't care what struggle. What thing you're, you're going up against in life right now. 
I'm telling you what is the baseline to get you through is the love of God. And I guarantee you, and when it comes down to it, if there's a place where we begin to falter and, and our faith and doubts come in, over and over again, you trace it all the way back to the root, and the root becomes, do we really believe he loves us that much? He does love you that much. He is for you that much. He's established us in a place of victory. So based on that, let's let the Holy Spirit lead us into our next victory. Lead us as we grow. Remember, we're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He meets us right where we are, and he doesn't leave us there. He carries us forward. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. So this morning, as we're wrapping up, then what we want to do is we want to create... We want to create a quiet moment that if you're here and you haven't started at that place, you haven't hit the place of that foundation of, of saying yes to the free gift of who Jesus is for you, that he is your victor, that he is the one who's won the battle, that he is the one that has faced death, hell, and the grave and has come out on top and that you can as well by faith in him. If, if you're here and you need to receive that, then I just want, we just want to, Everyone to create a quiet moment. And if that's you, we want you to just acknowledge that. Just raise your hand and we want to pray with you. We just want to pray with you. Believers, just lift your voices with me. Let's just pray together.